Okay, so everything about your, your spiritual life, uh, even about you following Jesus, is miraculous. It really is. Like it's, you know, uh, anything God is going to do is by nature going to have a miraculous aspect to it. And so uh, Christmas, and, and most of us in here, whether you grew up in a Christian home or not, you know, you know, Christmas is full of miracles. It's full of like angels and dreams and stars and like Jesus coming, a virgin birth, all that kind of thing. And so Christmas is very miraculous. Um, our spiritual natures are miraculous. And so about, you know, nine months ago, I was like, we're going to study the miraculous nature of Christmas. And one of the things I wanted to talk about in particular, um, and it was kind of the time we were going through spiritual gifts. So just to warn you, uh, I, I also was amazed at not only how miraculous Christmas was, but how uh, miraculous the means by which God chose to come and bring Christmas in are. Meaning, like, I mean, you think about it, angels and dreams. And so we're going to, this morning, as we kick off this series, we're going to look at different uh, aspects of the Christmas story. We're going to ask, what do we learn about God? What is God trying to say to us through this Christmas story? Then we're going to look at what is the miraculous means by which God reveals what he's doing. Uh, Today, we're going to look at dreams. Next week, angels. There's prophetic utterances. And then third, we're going to look at what do we learn about Joseph's response? So what does Joseph and how he responds today teach us? So this is where we're going this morning. Okay, we're going to look at God. What do we learn about God? What does he want to say to us today? Then we're going to look at uh, dreams. Does God speak through dreams? How, what is that going to look like? And then third, what do we learn from Joseph? Okay, so that's where we're going. I hope you're excited. Okay, if you, if you belong to the shore... You love it. You're so excited. You can't wait because you love your Bible. Uh, let me say a few things. There's probably someone in here, at least one or two, um, who would say, you know, James, every time we get to Christmas, we get to all these kind of miracles and, and, uh, and we're modern people. Come on. Like, you know, we believe in science, and, and maybe those people uh, back in the Bible didn't have ways of explaining stuff that we have. And so miracles, you know, meh, I don't know about miracles, so let's get through this fairy tale stuff and give me three principles on whatever. But, but here's what you need to hear. If there is a God, okay, so you have to, every premise is a faith premise. If there's a God, you have to receive that by faith, then miracles are natural, right? I mean, if there is a God, angels and the existence of angels and God communicating is natural, okay? It's still a miracle. We don't call it Wednesday when it happens. It's still crazy. But if you say, you know, it's just fairy tale, just so you know, science itself can't prove that. Science, by definition, is an empirical science, you know this. It, it observes things which you can touch, taste, hear, smell. It only deals with the natural. Uh, it can't study supernatural, it, it can't. It, it doesn't claim to study supernatural. Therefore, how can you prove there's no such thing as supernatural? You can't, you can't prove that. So it's a faith proposition, but so is it to say that there is no God and you can't prove that either. So here's what I wanna do. I don't wanna talk about that anymore, but if there's a God, then it's absolutely natural that there would be supernatural revelation. So. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks, but today we're gonna look at dreams, okay, dreams. So here's the first 
first point, we're going to look at what does God show us about him in this dream? Okay, we love Christmas passages. So you ready for it? So here's the first one. We're going to look at Joseph's life. By the way, Joseph, God speaks to him twice in dreams. So cool, cool, cool. All right, Matthew 1, 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's our first line. Now, here's what I want us to do, and I always do this every year, but I want you to enter into this story. Okay, I want you to imagine that you are Joseph. You're probably around 13. How many of you are 13? Any 13-year-olds back there? It's like my youth corner. What's up? Um, that's cool. You have to say it like that. Um, so he's 13. Uh, he's su- when you're 13, man, um, your emotions are crazy. Like you're super in love and, and, and things happen. And so he's 13. He's, he's, just so you know, he's a popular kid. Here's how we know that. The ancient world uh, family lines were, were uh, super important. They were massive. This is Joseph, and we know this from the Bible, son of David, which means he is a descendant of the great King David. There's a promise that through the descendant of King David would come this Messiah. And so in every generation, they would kind of watch these sons really, really close because they didn't know when God would show up, if this would be the Messiah, what was gonna happen. And, and uh, so they're watching this guy, okay? The girl, Mary, who, who would have also been pretty well known because you know he's gonna marry uh, betrothed to Joseph. Just so you know how it worked in the, in the Old Testament and rabbinical writings is there was two parts to you know getting married. Number one was betrothal. So this lasted for about uh, 12 months and it began where your parents would get together. So Mary's parents, Joseph's parents, and they would sign a contract to say, these two are going to be together. And that was called betrothal. It would last, again, 12 months. And what was really weird about the betrothal period was that they couldn't really see each other that much. So they, you know, they would, they would eat family dinners together. They would probably go to the temple together. And then finally, it was time for them to be betrothed. So they'd sign the contract and then they'd kind of separate them. And the purpose was, was to test this betrothal, to test this relationship to protect it, to see if there would be faithfulness. Were they really serious? Was this really gonna happen? And so let's just say if a girl were to get pregnant in that 12 months, it would be pretty obvious, right? Nine months, 12 months, it'd be obvious. Okay. So what was interesting, what's interesting too is, have you ever noticed when you read the Christmas story, you're like, why didn't Mary and Joseph just talk about it, right? They're always like separate, they find out. No one, you guys all, you're just fine with this stuff? Okay, somehow Joseph finds out. So, you know, maybe on Instagram or he finds out somehow, a friend tells him because they're not talking, she's pregnant. So put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Imagine the crushing weight the twirling thoughts, the, the fear. Like, I've never thought about this till this year, but the fear for her. He's grown up with her. He, he really loves her. So of course, twirling in his head is like, come Mary, really? Like with who? Like, but deep down, he loves her because he loves her. And he knows, look, her life will be lived on the margins 
He knows that her, she'll be rejected by her family. She'll be cast off. She won't be able to get a job. You'd be thinking about her. Because here's what you need to grasp, everyone. There's no grid. There's no other way people get pregnant than the only way people get pregnant. So this is the only option he has. And what's sad is all eyes are on his line. He's got this choice. He, she's gonna be shamed no matter what, but does he publicly shame her? Does he humiliate her? He doesn't want to. He's gonna do the right thing. He has to divorce her because they were legally bound for that 12 months. Then they get married. The wedding happens here. He's got a divorce her. And so he's in this turmoil and he's thinking, the Bible says, and then comes the miraculous supernatural revelation and what we first learn about God. Verse 20, but as he considered these things, as he deeply reflects, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. In a dream. Okay, so there, there's visions in the Bible, there's dreams. This Greek word literally means he was sleeping. It's a dream. An angel appears saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. That alone would have been like, whoo. Why? For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Boom, woken up. Can you imagine? Imagine like, just like, like all the amazing, but like crazy thoughts and emotions would just flood your mind. Because first of all, that must have been so real. Like that vision must have been so unlike any dream, so real. I mean, just think of how he's thinking about, you know, like how the village would respond. And they'd be like, dude, you're marrying her. You guys won't believe this, but this is what happened. And just think, who cares what they think? Because here's the biggest thing I think going on other than, whew, it wasn't, you know, Gerald. It was, it was the Holy Spirit. The other thing going on in his mind would be like, oh my goodness. Like God is, is involved in this. Like the God of the universe, he's doing something. Like, I think this would have been the overwhelming notion for Joseph. He would be thinking, God is getting involved. Listen, listen. In what seems to be the hardest, most excruciating, most confusing situation, season of his life, God is involved. Like, God is moving. And what I really love about this is the first words in his dream from the angel is personally for him. The first words they speak to his crushing anxiety, his pain, his heartache. And I love this because he, God didn't have to do that. Like God didn't have to say, do not be afraid. He could have just said, hey, marry her. It's okay, it's from the Lord. But the first words said to a man whose heart is descending into the worst kind of darkness is personal. It's do not be afraid, 
do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God is at work. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. God is involved. This boy's from the Holy Spirit. God is behind this. And perhaps, perhaps some of us need to hear this is the nature of God. Like this is the nature of God. God is one who got involved. Like Christmas shows us God's involvement in Joseph would be just the beginning. This boy is going to be God himself getting involved in every single one of your lives. Like this would just be the beginning of his ever present involvement in the life of his sons and daughters. Connected to this, he tells us how God's gonna get involved, namely, he will save his people from their sins. See, Joseph would have known when he said, name, his, name this boy Jesus, that's Joshua, that's Yahweh saves. Like he would have known, this is common language in Hebrew for what the Messiah would do. But this angel says something that no one saw coming in that first century and still didn't grasp until Jesus rose from death, that he would save, so God, Yahweh saves, but saves what? A plight. He's, he's coming to save you from something that you're headed towards, right? And it is a plight of what happens when our sins are not forgiven, when our sins are still in us, when our sins, the stuff inside of us is still bringing death and decay from sin. He will save his people from their sin. There's a plight that is heading towards humanity, judgment coming towards humanity because of their sin. And this is what Jesus said in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, so whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then the next verse says, for God did not send his son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world. Like Jesus didn't show up and be like, you're bad and you're bad and you're bad. Like he didn't do that. He came into the world to save because the plight was already ours. We chose to go our own way. He's coming to intercede. He's coming to get involved. He's coming to do what we cannot do. He's coming to, to go to that cross where on that cross, your sin will go on him and God's judgment for your sin will be met not on you, but on Jesus Christ. And when he dies, he'll die your death. And when he comes out of the grave, it means every sin you've done went on Christ and it's finished. It's paid for. That's the gospel. Woo! Let's clap. Everyone clap. That's really exciting. That's what Joseph would have felt. God's getting involved. So, so, so here, here's what I want us to hear. Every time, every time, okay, turn to your neighbor and say every time, every time. Okay, some of you didn't do it. Let's try this again. Turn to your neighbor and say every time. I'm watching. Okay, every time God reveals, whether he uses the authoritative word of God or a dream or creation or a time of prayer or an impression. Listen, look, look, that is showing you God's really living and involved in your life. He's involved in your life. He's saying 
to you. I'm here. I'm involved. I care. I'm speaking. The fact that you're in church today actually is evidence that he's speaking to you. He's so good that we sh- they should have a name for him that would some, like it kind of means like God with us. That would be really cool if they, oh, wait. It's like right here. This, the Bible's so good. It's already here. Okay, look at it. This is what it says in the next verse. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is Christmas. This is the excitement of Christmas. He's, he's like not far beyond. He's always active. God's, God's always doing things in unexpected ways in your life to rescue you from sin, from, from, the, from the enemy. There's so many verses that says, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The son of man came to destroy the works of the devil. The son of man, so you just, you have, this is what he's doing in your life. It all began in the invasion at the first advent of Christmas. Advent means coming. This is exciting. So you need to feel the pulse of Christmas. Anytime Christmas comes, you know, just do like this, oh, what's coming? Like, because here's what it says, the second advent is coming. Jesus came once and he said he's coming again. Okay, so you're excited, woo, good. Number two, dreams, let's talk dreams. Before we get into how Joseph responds, which is the rest of the text, we're gonna take a little bit of a pause and we're gonna talk about dreams, okay? In the Old Testament, God, right from Genesis with Joseph and you know, the, the, the dreams he had about his brothers, you know, never tell your brothers that they're all gonna worship you, just, you know, something to think about. Uh, but he has that dream, you know, uh, God comes to dreams with Laban, warns him about something that's going to happen in Genesis 31. You have the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar and the kings and Daniel's interpretation. Paul had dreams in the night that guided him. So here's, here's what you got to hear. One way God does speak, reveal, warn, guide, comfort, give perspective, call us to repent, give us a glimpse of what's coming, or even to reveal his salvation is dreams. Really, really cool. Darren uh, Coulson, he's the founder and president of Training Leaders International. He just had a chance to interview uh, migrants who converted from Islam. So they, they just became Christians. They're just coming over. Um, and he tells this story of the family who's holding the Bible. Listen to this story. There was a family in Kurdistan where each member of the household had a separate dream that they should cross the river the next day to find living water. The next day, without hesitation, they all went and someone gave them a Bible. And he tells them more of the story, but they all become Christians and they're, it's an amazing story. Okay, you've heard this, God does come through dreams. I love, by the way, I love that because the Bible teaches that the scriptures are the primary way we as Christians hear the voice of God. Like the Bible is, the, the, is if you want to hear the voice of God, if you want to commune with God and really have him come into your life, the best and most consistent way is the word of God because every word is God's word. Hebrews 4 says, this is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So when you wake up in the morning and you say, okay, Holy Spirit, would you, I want to commune with God. Would you just teach me? And you begin to read and all of a sudden you get this warm encouragement or something sticks out to you and it's convicting, or all of a sudden you're reading and a thought comes to you where you did something wrong and had nothing to do with there, God's communing with you in his presence. He's 
speaking. He's living. You're communing with God. It's exciting. The Bible is, is useful. We don't need anything other than the Bible to show us how we are to live for life and godliness. So the primary diet of every Christian is the Bible. Now, let me say this. It's in this sufficient book. We also affirm that not all revelatory, so revealing works of the Spirit, are the same in function, breadth, and purpose as Scripture. So let me say it this way. The Bible is for all people, so everyone, sufficient for everyone. It's the living water, as, as God spoke through the dream. Um, it's true for everyone. There are also places, the Bible says, that God will reveal himself in specific situations through other means. The one I want to talk to you about is dreams. Okay, we've never talked about this, so it'll be kind of fun. Um, this one, by the way, was promised to the church when Jesus rose from death and the Holy Spirit would now come inside of you. So if you're like brand new to the Christian faith, it's kind of hard for me to explain, but a Christian is a miracle. So a Christian is someone who, when they believed in Jesus, they received Jesus not only as their savior, so a new record in heaven, you're perfect, but you actually get a spirit living in you, your heart becomes new, you have new desires, you wanna change, that's called born again. Okay, the Bible teaches that when that first happened on the early church, the promise of Joel 2 would happen. So this can happen to you, and I'll read it to you. This is in the book of Acts. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Okay, some of you have this. Some of you... Like literally in the last month, two people have come up to me and have shared their dreams. One was for our church. One was so specific to my life, okay? Just, you know, in September, I was having a really hard time. I was going through a huge, huge, uh, God was cutting out things in my life. And it just felt like he was cutting off. And one morning he gave me John 15 too. He was showing me that he's pruning me. So I'm going through this huge pruning season. It's really difficult. I'm asking, where is God? Where is God? So this girl has a dream in our church uh, and she doesn't tell me till way later. Okay. So if you have a dream about someone, probably tell them when they're in the hard season. But so she tells me way later, she said, I saw, and really crazy. I was reading my Bible and I felt like the Lord say, like, like Isaac, you need to give this up. Okay. I'll just tell you because you're my church. He told me to give up drinking. So don't drink. That was really hard for me because <clears throat> I, I enjoy a good glass of wine here and there. So um, I don't know why I'm telling this. I don't even have any time. My clock's not on. I'm sorry, people. Uh, so she tells me of a dream that she had of me going up a mountain and at the bottom of the mountain were all these branches. It was so profound. It spoke to me so powerfully. So this happened. You guys, God speaks through dreams. How many of you, let me just say this, have ever sensed and you've tested it with the context of going on in your life or scripture, godly friend, but you've sensed, I think God gave me that dream a warning, an encouragement, a revelation. This is what's gonna, this is what I'm doing in your life. We had dreams around our son, Joseph, where we actually got his name because God named him in a dream. Where a symbol represents the struggle, where it's don't go in that direction. This person's not safe, right? It's interesting. The second Christmas dream is to Joseph and it's, uh, Matthew 2, and when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get out of there, leave. Now listen, we know this, but not all dreams are from God. 
Okay, there's a danger in kind of going dream hunting where everything's like, that is this, and this means this. And, mm-mm. But there are times and seasons, and let me, well, let me say this. Joseph, the Bible, and Daniel both say the interpretation belongs to the Lord. Okay, so um, let me say a few things practically. If you sense that a dream was unlike anything and any other dreams you've had, where you wake up and you feel a strong sense that was from God. I think that could have been from God. Write it down, record it, okay? So I'm gonna give you some practical advice here because God does speak in dreams. Pay attention. Here's the, here's the key. Pay attention to the fascinating details that for some reason you remember. And then here's what you need to do. You need to ask the Holy Spirit because only he knows the interpretation. What does this dream mean? Ask him and he will tell you. Okay, you will be in the Bible one day and all of a sudden he'll, he'll tell you what the meaning of the dream was. Or you'll be in prayer, someone will come to you, or you'll find someone who has the spiritual gift of discernment. If you know someone who has that spiritual gift, share the dreams, I had this dream. Can you ask the Holy Spirit what it could mean? They could ask you a few questions, what's going on in your life? Okay, I would encourage you, if you have a profound, and I'm talking like, you know this is different than the way you regularly dream. If you have a dream, and we have some people who have dreams, uh, come to the elders, share your dream. That's what we've done with one dream that, that a woman had for our church. So you, you guys, you should see your faces. You're all like, are we Pentecostal? This is getting weird. Okay, you know, I love you guys. Okay, dreams, to borrow from one, I thought was very wise on this, are not given in order to enhance our stature in the church or give us control over others. Some things the Lord shares with us are meant to be kept to ourselves. Sometimes dreams are meant to teach us how to pray about a situation or how to pray for certain people. The fact that we had a dream does not mean we have permission to share it. You wanna ask the Holy Spirit, if someone was in your dream, should I share it? Okay, never share a dream on an airplane. Okay, that'll freak everyone out, okay? Um, Just kidding, that was funny for three people. Thanks, Jeanette. You're here. Yeah, this is key, okay, this is key. Other times, God may give us a dream that indicates he's gonna do something wonderful for us. And this makes us feel special. And we may wanna tell other people about the dream so that they too can see how special we are to God. Okay, in reality, God may have given us the dream because we're about to go through an excruciatingly difficult time and we will need all the encouragement we can get from him in order to make it through that. I'll tell you a story next week when we talk about angelical uh, angels and angelic beings visiting. Um, But oftentimes angels will come in the middle of nowhere. It'll be this person and they will just pray something for you that will be so weird and all of a sudden they're gone. But that next day you will go through the hardest time you've ever had in your life. And just like Joseph In Genesis, I guarantee you, when he's year seven, day 28, in prison, eating mush, he's clinging to this dream. God loves you. Listen, the story of Christmas is he's involved in your life. He loves you. That's why he keeps talking to you. That's why you're here. That's why you're worshiping him. Okay, let's move on. Okay, so that's... Teach us about God, he's involved. Dreams, a little bit about dreams. By the way, if you have a dream, uh, and you know this is from God, you could, you could 
ask for the elders. They would love to pray for an interpretation. You could even come today if you have a dream and the prayer team will try to discern and we'll ask the Holy Spirit and he may not give us anything. We're not gonna make anything up, but if he does, we'll help you interpret your dream. Okay, verse 24. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. This, this means he officially marries her. Woo! But he knew her not. What a dude. He knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Joseph obeys. He obeys. He's operating in a new courage. He has this like supernatural trust. He wakes up. Everything's different. Okay, before Joseph's dreams, he's thinking, oh, I don't want this child in my life and I can't because if I bring this child into my life. I'll get the disdain of the world. I'll be marginalized. My life will be ruined. Nope, not now. Now he wakes, he clings to her. Listen, listen to the gospel. He identifies with her. Her disgrace, which will happen. No one's gonna believe this. Her disgrace will become his. He risks everything. He wakes up and to a girl who no one would ever marry, she would never get a job, he rescues. He, he begins to become like Jesus. Right, I love this. I, we don't know what happened to him, but I think he was a great loving dad. We, we, you know, he's not there at the cross, so he must have died somewhere, but I, I can picture Joseph. I think God chose Joseph because he was such a great father. He had a good heart. And, and, and when, it, when it comes to obedience, so many of us, I think, skip this aspect of the story. I do. I think we just read it. We read it so fast. Oh, what happened next? That Christmas? Like we read it too fast. He does it. He believes. Joseph, he, he's in glad obedience to God's revelatory word. Can I ask you this? How's it going with obedience? How's it going with your obedience? to what God's revealed to you. So let me ask you this, and I want you to hold this thought in your head, the answer, what's the first thing you think of when it comes to obedience? Just, you know, in the economy of God, in the kingdom of heaven, obedience is everything. You're in this room because of obedience. Let me show you this verse, Romans 5, 19, for as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So through Adam, we all were born wanting to be our own God. We want to sin. We sin because that's what our nature is. We need a new one. So by one man's what? Say it. Obedience. So by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Joseph hears, he trusts, he has a heart. Now here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think of this next sentence because I'm gonna ask you it, okay? So you ask your heart this, this question. So Joseph hears the dream and he has the heart and this is what you're, you're can you say this sentence? I will do what God asks me with faith and gladness because I know God would not have me do it if it wasn't important in the great scheme of the kingdom. Can you say that? Can you say, I will do what God, you ask me with gladness because I know what you would have me do would not only be the best for me and your glory, but it would be the most important in the kingdom. 
This is Joseph's heart. Okay, so sure, look right at me. Obedience is an invitation and adventure in the presence of God. We can only get stronger spiritually, closer, more full of the light we want, doing what Jesus says and living how Jesus lived. See, too many of us think of obedience as legalism, right? We, we think like rule keeping, this kind. No, 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 not in God's economy. Obedience in his economy is living as Jesus lived and doing what Jesus says. Let me show you what Jesus says to his disciples that Joseph magnifies for us. And it'll be two verses here. Actually, one verse, two translations. Just as the father has loved me. So this is Jesus talking to his disciples. This is you and I, I've loved you. Now remain in my love if you obey my commands, like live as I lived and do as I said. And just, you know, you think of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, you will remain in my love. In the same way, I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I love, Jesus said in John 5, I only do what the Father tells me to do. This is the heart of this relationship. I've told you this so that my joy will be in you. If you want joy in your life, if you want Jesus' joy in your life, the way to have it is to further obey everything he says. I also want your joy to be complete. Now listen, so this is Eugene Peterson, great pastor. He, he in his transliteration says it this way. I've loved you, so same verses. I've loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home, it's not great language, make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. And I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. Joseph did, as the angel said. Sometimes obedience to him will be is out of this world as it was for Joseph. So, so really interesting. I've been studying spiritual warfare a lot right now because we're gonna, I think we're gonna do a big series on spiritual warfare in the fall. But really interesting in all my studying, one of the things that blew my mind was that the main uh, principles we see in spiritual warfare in the principalities in the air that Ephesians 6 says. So there's principalities and rulers and kingdoms, demonic, angelic principalities fighting angelic beings that are God's angels. When it comes to the fight, this is really interesting, when it comes to the fight, there's one way God's angels actually win, have greater victory in the economy of God. They tend to have more Power. Do you want to know what it is? Do you, know, you want to know how they get more power? When we on the ground obey. The closer we are to God, the more in proximity we are to God, the more our hearts will be in submission and in devotion and in obedience the more that happens, the more authority we have in the heavenly realm. Obedience is evidence he's all you want. Obedience is evidence that he's all you want. 
That's how you know. And there's nothing wrong with you praying. God, would you bring me into a season where obedience comes easy? So right now, I want, to, I want us to pray for that. I want us to stand. I want us to respond. I want us to love Jesus and thank him that he's involved. He's really involved in your life. And so will you stand and the band's gonna come up and we're gonna, we're gonna sing and we're gonna take communion. We're gonna have a, a powerful time of prayer. By the way, if you're not a Christian and you actually came here because something's hurting in your life, I believe God wants to heal that. So will you just come and we'll, we'll pray for that. Um, but I want, you to, I want you to ask as we close, where is the Holy Spirit pounding right now? So he's, in some of you, he's just pounding. And he's asking you, are you willing to do whatever it takes to be obedient to what I'm asking? You might even know what he's asking you. You might even be told to go to a different country or, or, or told to, to tithe everything you have coming in your boat. You might be told something crazy out of this world tomorrow. But are you willing today to say to him, do whatever it takes and I'm gonna be obedient. Whatever you're at, I just want more of you. You have me. Can you say that? And if not, I want you to tell him that. Talk to him about it. But I want you to say this, God, I will do whatever you ask with gladness because I know you would not have me do it. This is the key. He's a good God. He's a good dad. He knows what's best for his kids and he knows what the kingdom of God is all about. So you, I want you to pray something along the lines of God, I will do what you ask with gladness because I know you would not have me do it if it wasn't important in the great scheme of the kingdom. And then come when you're ready. We'll take communion today. We won't serve each other. So what we'll do is we'll just, for the sake of time, just take the bread on your own, dip it in the wine or juice, bring it back to your spot or take it right there. But we'll take communion on our own. But but before you come, examine your hearts. Examine, am, am I obedient? Am I obedient? Obedience is awesome. It's, it's the fastest way you're gonna have friendship with God. So let me pray for us and then we'll do that. Uh, Father, I just, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for your, your presence. I thank you that your presence is in your word. And when we open your word, we get to hear your heart. We get to see you. And I just, we want that. We don't care about this stuff. And, and some of us have marriages that are just hanging on by a thread. And we just feel so helpless. Would you invade that? Would you come into that marriage right now? In Jesus' name, would you just, would you just bring this forgiveness and confession of sin and healing. And some of us, God, are just, we feel abandoned. We feel like we're in a wilderness. And I thank you that we feel like Joseph probably would have, like life is so descending me into a pit. And yet you got involved and just show us, give us glimpses. And Father, if it's your will to speak through us, through a dream, pray we would hear from you in that way, and I just, I pray that all of us wouldn't play church. We would just take these next 10 to 12 minutes, we would commune with you, and we would walk into obedience. Give us the heart that you gave Joseph to wake up with fresh courage to obey because that, 
is gonna bring us great life and that's gonna cost some people and I just pray that they would count the cost. As you said, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself. So give us grace to do that. Pruning's hard, but we pray for more. In Jesus' name, amen.